All right, guys, we're going to be in 2 Peter this morning, uh, chapter 1. Uh, we're going to go ahead and read through the first 11 verses. And before we do that, I'm just going to, I'm going to pray one more time uh, for myself and for all of us as we open God's word. Father, I thank you, Lord, and I pray as we open your word together that you would be here to open our hearts and our minds, Father, that you would quiet any distractions, that you would remove any uh, calluses on our heart, anything to hinder us from hearing your word. And Father, let your word go out with power and accomplish its task, Lord. We know you say that it will not return void. So we just pray, Lord, that you would make us um, good soil to receive your word and to be fruitful in all things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right. Uh, today we're going to be talking about <clears throat> really just some building blocks of our faith as, you know, we're coming to the end of 2019 and we're stepping into 2020. And I don't know about y'all guys, but <clears throat> I'm in this place right now where it's, man, I'm thankful for the rest. I really am. I'm thankful to just sit down with my family. I played way too many video games this week. Uh, it was great. Mostly because I, I was really sick and I had nothing else to do. Uh, I couldn't do much else. Couldn't think very well, actually, a couple of days. I had a hard time even talking straight. And so playing video games was a good outlet for me. But um, good time of rest. I learned a lot about Star Wars, too. Uh, but I'm also really ready for 2019 to be over. I really am. It's been a great year. But I know God's got big things in store for, for this upcoming year for 2020. I know he's got new steps, new seasons, new opportunities, new relationships, you know, uh, new people to draw into his kingdom. And I am ready, man. I am ready to get going. I'm not rushing it, but I'm ready. And so as we enter into a new year, I really just, I want to encourage us all um, to just remember the, the foundation of who we are in Christ and what are those things that led us to really grow in him, to know him? And, and what does it mean to know Jesus, right? And really, what are these foundational things of our faith that come through a personal relationship with him? To just, just to be reminded of the simple things of faith, right? And so, really, faith comes in two parts, knowing and doing, Right? Uh, to know and to do. So <clears throat> if you'll join me in 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to read the first 11 verses together. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. 
For if, this, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to start back at verse 2, and we're going to take a a couple of minutes, and we're going to just really dissect uh, these first two verses, or three verses, 2, 3, and 4. So it's interesting here, and actually if we were to go down a little bit, Peter, Peter refers to something in particular three times. And there's this thing that Peter refers to three times over and over and over in which if we come to an understanding of, and he says if we continue to grow in, there are these promises that are attached to it, right? And in verses 2, 3, and 4, it says that... <clears throat> Through this, this one thing, that we receive the blessings of God, that we receive the power of God in our life, and that we even get to partake in the nature of God. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that sounds pretty good to me. And this thing is the knowledge of Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. It says again that his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And then later on in uh, the second, second half, it again refers to the knowledge of Christ as making us, um, uh, making us grow in him. So it's very interesting <clears throat> The way in which God has worked out salvation for us, man, it's such a simple thing. There's a guy in the Old Testament. I don't, I don't remember his name, um, and you know, I wasn't planning on sharing this, so my, the details are a little fuzzy. But <clears throat> he came looking for healing from a prophet, and the prophet said, "Well, you know, you go and you just, I think, just dip yourself in the water, and you'll be healed, right?" And he gets all upset, and he's like, oh, you know, is that all I have to do? And he's like, man, what's the problem? If I would have told you to go and conquer some enemy or climb some, you know, you would have gladly done it. But if I tell you just to go do this simple thing, and that's not enough for you? I said, details a little fuzzy. But uh, it's interesting that I think that that's such a a good um, illustration of how we are with God, Right? That we always feel like, man, there's something I've got to do. There's something I've got to produce. Like, I've really got to work this hard. I've really got to earn something from God. And if I really, you know, if I really dig in, if I really do things the right way, if I do it enough, if I pray hard enough, if I, you know, if I worship louder, I'll have more favor with Jesus. I'll somehow, you know, get some deeper understanding. When in all reality, you know, Jesus has already done the work for us. And when we come into his kingdom, it's by grace that we've been saved, not by works, so that no one can boast, right? 
It's just accepting what Jesus has done for us, the fact that we couldn't do it for ourselves, and suddenly we receive the full benefit and inheritance of Jesus Christ and the Father and an eternal kingdom. And it's just a gift given to us. And so what Jesus wants more than anything is not some great work, not some, you know, I climbed three mountains and beat up this guy and, you know, preached a, you know, a giant crusade, but to simply know him, to be found in his image, and to obey his word. And the beautiful thing about this is as we, as, even as we, as we pursue to obey something that does take some work, right, some effort, even that Jesus himself provides the power. But it starts off, and the scriptures tell us that if we grow in the knowledge of God, the first thing we get is his blessings. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Does anybody have a good, uh, good definition of grace for me? Unmerited favor, okay. What else? Anybody else have a good definition of or another definition of grace? God's character. Okay, so, man, grace is an amazing thing. There are some days where your alarm goes off, and it's like you're almost okay with getting fired (laughs) to just stay in bed, right? (laughs) Like, you're trying to tie your shoes, and you're just like, man, today, today is going to be a rough day. You haven't even eaten breakfast yet, and you already know that, right? And I don't know about you, but those days, man, I got, I got to pray and say, Lord, help me. You're going to have to help me get out of bed. You're going to have to help me have a good attitude. You're going to have to help me work hard, be a good worker, have a good attitude, right? And the great thing about our Lord is he, he gives us that strength. He gives us that ability to continue even when it's difficult, and that's the grace of God. It's a supernatural empowerment. It's a gift. It's a help in a time of need. That is the grace of God, right? It's it's something he just provides for us, not because we earned it, but simply because we asked, simply because he's good, actually. And not just that, but, but grace, the grace of God is actually a position of favor that we stand in, right? So in the old days of the kings, <clears throat> the kings had a court, and not anybody could walk into that court. If you just walked up and, hey, I'm going to go talk to the king, and, you know, I'm going to ask him to help me out, and you stepped into his court unannounced, and he didn't point his scepter at you to say, hey, I give this, I give this man, I give this woman my favor. They have favor. They can come. They can draw near to me. I'm allowing them to do that. Man, those guards, would cut, they'd cut your head off right there. You'd be done. If you were lucky, you might get thrown into prison. But you don't just step in unannounced to the king's court. But through Christ Jesus, we have been given the right, the scripture says, to be called children of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says that we could come boldly before the throne of God to find grace and help in a time of need. Grace is the fact, God's grace towards us as Christians is the fact that we stand at all times in a position of favor. That at any time we can walk into his presence, we can step before him and that scepter is out. 
We don't have to be concerned. Is he going to hear us? Is he going to be angry at us? Is, you know, no, we don't have, he's already given us that favor. We already have recognition with him because of his love towards us and because of the work of Jesus. And because of the work of Jesus and his death on the cross, there's something really amazing that happens. You know, the scriptures say that in ourselves, in our own flesh, apart from Christ, that we're enemies of God. It's funny, you know, I, I, when you witness to people and you talk to people and you're trying to talk to them about the Lord, you always get those people who, like, they just have a lot of really good things to say. And they just talk like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, Jesus, oh, yeah. And they just, they say all this good stuff. Like, they're on page with you. And these people are so lost, you know what I mean? But they just, they got so much good stuff. Oh, yeah, you know what, yeah, we're all children of God. You know, we just, everybody's a child of God. And it's like, man, that sounds really good. But Jesus told the Pharisees they were the sons of the devil because they followed his ways. I mean, for real, that's not a joke. And Jesus says that those who have been given the Holy Spirit are sons of God, and anyone who does not have God's Spirit is not Christ's. So actually, as good as that sounds, saying everybody is a child of God is not quite true, because on the day when they stand before Christ, if they did not bow their knee to him and be born again, he will not acknowledge them. That's just a fact. And in ourselves, before, if, before we surrender to Jesus, we're enemies of God. But here, Peter says, man, grace, that supernatural favor, that supernatural empowerment in the times of need when you call on God, and peace, and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. And it's the beautiful thing. Salvation is a free gift. And how does it come? It comes by hearing, hearing about Jesus and believing it. And it's that knowledge of who he is, the knowledge of what he's done, and the knowledge of, yes, that payment was for me, and I need to receive that. I need to give my life to him. That knowledge puts us in a place of favor and of peace where no longer we are striving against God in our flesh, and no longer is God striving against us in our pride. But we have had, we now have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is a beautiful thing. Because I don't know if you've ever tried to fight with God, but it's a pretty sucky fight. (laughs) And I have done it a lot, and I have lost pretty much every time. And not pretty much, just every time. Okay? Um, It's a pretty terrifying thing to have God on your bad side. And the scriptures tell us that he opposes the proud. The proud. So yes, God, God will stand against us. But when we come into a knowledge of who Jesus is and we grow in that, peace is multiplied in our lives. Grace, favor, blessing is multiplied in our life. Has anybody experienced that? I know I have. You know, it's when I, when I first... I mean, I've known, I've known Jesus my whole life, but when I really was, was pursuing him diligently, if we were to call that when I, when I started following him, just for the sake of this conversation, as I really started following Jesus, man, my life was still pretty shaky. It was still pretty messed up. But there was a peace that came into my heart. There was a peace that covered very 
uncomfortable situations. There was a peace that covered, you know, uh, things that looked like they were not going to work out. And every step of the way, there was more and more blessings God was opening in front of me, right? The people I was meeting, coming to know my wife, right? Going through the Christian men's job corps, getting a new group of friends, getting out of old habits, finding new habits. There was just, the Lord was there, even though, man, I did not deserve it. And it's not that I was doing everything right, because the way that I, what I would call godly living today, I still wasn't even close to, right? But my heart was pursuing him, and I was coming to know Jesus more each day. I was growing in a knowledge of who he was, right? And I was becoming slowly, pretty slowly, uh, more and more like him. And as that happened, his grace and his peace was growing in my life. And you know what? Today, I have more grace and peace in my life than I had a year ago. I don't feel like I'm lacking either. Any, either. I'm not lacking any peace. But I guarantee you, next year, I'll say, I'll say, man, I've got so much more peace. I don't feel like I'm lacking anything. God has given me all things freely. And next year, I'll say, man, what favor God has shown on me. And as we grow in him, our experience of him grows. And he's a good father who loves to bless his children. And when we come into a knowledge of Christ, we receive his blessings. The second thing Peter says here, it says that as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Again, Peter says that the knowledge of Christ also allows us access to his power, right? So when we talk about the power of God, what are we really talking about? Because I feel like in some conversations about God's power nowadays, it gets to some like weird new age, like we're talking about magic tricks or something. You know, I mean, there's, there's some weird stuff going on out there. And so I always think it's good to redefine, you know, what is the power of God? You know, the scriptures tell us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. That's a pretty amazing statement. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. That the Holy Spirit, when we receive him, man, we have every blessing in the spiritual places. The problem is, is sometimes we don't always feel like we're experiencing those things, right? Like, where, where is this resurrection power? I've been sick for a week. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, where is this power of God? I'm still struggling in these same ways. I'm still going through these same cycles. I'm still having these same heartaches. Well, Paul tells us we have two options in this life as children of God, to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. The, the, the title of our message today is to know and to do because to say to, to know Jesus is a very important phrase. It's a very important phrase because there's a lot of people who know of Jesus and don't know Jesus, right? And what, what I would never want to happen is to, to, to go through some scripture like this 
to expound on a message like this and for someone to come away thinking, man, if I just read enough, if I know enough information, if I get enough facts, if I can answer all the right questions, God is somehow going to like bless me more. Because the Bible says that knowledge does nothing but puff up. And there's plenty of parables where people knew and didn't do, and God was not pleased. God was not pleased by their knowledge. He was pleased by their devotion. And to know Jesus, to set your heart on who he is, there's a process that comes in that, right? There's a process of of experiencing him personally, coming to salvation. There's, there's, There's something that happens in your heart and mind. But then there's a process where we have to pursue him, where we have to read his word and understand what is his will, what is his ways, right? What are his commands? There's a process of praying and learning to know him intimately in prayer, of learning to be still and to just hear the voice of God. And you know what? Sometimes just being still and just allowing your heart to receive his peace, there's not always a booming voice. In fact, there very rarely is although there is sometimes. But there is something that when you can pray and just let the cares of the world fall on him and just silence yourself before the throne of God, that suddenly something just comes over you and you don't have to say anything because peace fills your heart. And the power of God is with those people who fear him. That's what we read in Psalms, right? The blessings, the power of God is with those who fear him. And God has already given us through that power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, all things that pertain to life and to godliness. <clears throat> you know, I've heard, I've heard people make the statements, well, you know, uh, the Bible doesn't have an answer for everything obviously. And, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe if, you know, you run over someone's dog and they try to sue you and you're trying to figure out what to do, there's no, you know, Exodus 13, thou shalt rebuke thy neighbor for dog running over or something. But at the same time, I would disagree. I would say the Bible actually does have an answer for everything. Maybe not word for word, But again, when we talk about the knowledge of Christ, we're talking about getting to know him personally, personally, intimately, fully. And there's this transfer of character. There's this transfer of of transformational power. The same power that kept Christ blameless on earth, we have access to. And suddenly the character and the wisdom of God comes into our hearts. And as we seek him and as we hear his word and as we hear his promises, it changes and and shapes the way we view and respond to things. And in the moment, if we're growing in the knowledge of Christ, Christ provides for us wisdom and answers. And I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people in this room who have experienced being in a situation and not really knowing what to do. I mean, ahead of time, they would have said, man, I walked into that and, like, had no idea what was going on. But then suddenly, there's just this clarity. And things were just clear. This was right. This was wrong. This was the, the action that needed to happen. And not because of any, 
you know, I'm so educated, but just because the Lord provided that in a moment. It's actually called, um, in some sense, a word of wisdom, right? It's a spiritual gift. And God provides these things as we seek him. And we can experience the power of our God uh, leading us step by step. But it comes through growing in a knowledge and an intimacy with who Jesus is who Jesus is. And I say it all the time. One of the things I love the most about the scriptures is that the more I read the scriptures, the more I hear God and the more I know God's heart. And you go into the world and you see things and you hear things and you just know God's heart is breaking over that because you know his heart. That's what it means to have the knowledge of Christ. He's given us all things to pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which we have have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the third thing there is the coming into a knowledge of Christ coming into knowing who he is and experiencing his heart, it does something to us. It says that it allows us to experience his divine nature, but the next part of that phrase defines what that means. Coming into his divine nature means escaping the world and the lust of the world. You know, sin still causes death. And so as long as we walk in the flesh, and as long as we get caught in lust, as long as we get caught in the things of the world, man, there's going to be heartache, and there's going to be corruption. There's going to be all these things that knock us off trajectory. But a knowledge of Christ, a consciousness of Christ, keeps us tied to those things which honor him. And we begin to be formed into his image, and we begin to partake of his same nature that we walk as he walked, that we have the spirit that he had, that we're connected to God in an unhindered manner. We're not crying out, Lord, where are you, Lord? I don't feel you, Lord. Why am I so empty? Because we've maintained a relationship with him and we've experienced consistently his blessings, consistently his power intervening in our life, and we can consistently walk in the same nature that Christ had. And if you think, well, that sounds, a little, that sounds a little overboard, that sounds a little too spiritual, I would say that's God's will because in Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Why? Because those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. So I would say God's will for you is absolutely to be a partaker of his nature. There's a unity and a fellowship with God that he wants us to have. Verse 5, it says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. So here's the thing, guys. I want to, again, I want to encourage us as we come into the new year 
to just find time in your heart, in your mind, in your schedule to just go back to the very basic and to just grow in your knowledge of Christ. Not in book knowledge, but just in knowledge of who he is personally. To be in a place where you're experiencing him as you pray and as you read. And I think it was actually, I think it might be in 1 Peter. It is in 1 Peter. And this really stood out to me as I was reading it, where it talks about as babes in Christ long for pure spiritual milk, which is the word of God, that you may grow thereby. And I remember reading that recently and just stopping for a second and just thinking about the busyness of the world and all the things you get caught up with and everything that I know and everything we, we do and all this, this good stuff. And I just remember what it was like when I didn't know and I wasn't doing. And there was this hunger and this thirst for his word. And I just wanted to be near him. And I just wanted to understand. And I wanted to grow. And there is this beautiful relationship I had with Jesus because I was just seeking him open-handedly, open-heartedly. And I remember it's, it's saying to uh, desire pure spiritual milk, the word of God, and just being like, man, I want to return to that wonder. I want to return to that wonder because that wonder, that pursuit is what led me to knowing Jesus the way I know him today. And I wonder, even knowing him the way I know him today, if I, if I return to that pursuit, how much more would I know him tomorrow? And it's growing in that knowledge of Christ is where we continue to be fruitful and abound in grace and peace and blessing and power. But... <clears throat> There's a doing aspect, right? Uh, real faith, the Bible says, is faith that's accompanied with works. Why? Because if you really believe Jesus' commands, you'll do them. That's why. Not because we have to earn anything, right? But when Jesus, uh, uh, when God told Abraham, like, hey, you should probably go over here. If he said, yes, Lord, I believe you, and never went, he would be a liar. But he went. When God said, hey, sacrifice your son Isaac, he had, he had been given a precious promise, Right? Through the knowledge of God, he had a promise that his son Isaac would, would, would bear a seed that would be a blessing to all nations. So when he said, hey, sacrifice your son, his faith said, yeah, I will do that. And God's going to have to raise him from the dead because he made me a promise. And his faith was accompanied by works. And so we have to know and we have to do. And, and Peter doesn't just say, hey, grow in your knowledge of Christ. Hey, have a knowledge of Christ and you'll be blessed. He says, but hey, here's a format. Here's what it looks like. Here's a help. As we look at 2020, we want to say, man, I want to grow in my knowledge of Jesus this year. I want to experience God's blessing. God, man, God is handing out blessings left and right. Like M&M's, man. He's a good God. I'm serious. He's a good God. But where do I start? How do I, what does that look like in the doing? And that's what Peter provides us. He says, hey man, you have faith? Add to your faith virtue. Anybody here know what virtue means? This is, say that again? Good morals. This is probably one of the most important words here because it's a word that I think a lot of people don't understand. It says, start with faith. You believe in God, good. Add to your faith, your belief, good character and morals. 
and do what's right and restrain yourself from doing what's wrong. Preserve your words. Use them carefully. Be kind when others are angry. Bless when others curse. Start there. Add to your faith virtue. And maybe that's as far as this list as you need to go. Maybe that's where you're starting in 2020. Add to your faith virtue. I was, uh, when I was in Israel just recently, I was with a group of people who lacked some virtue, man. I'll tell you what, I was very, I was very unimpressed, um, very shocked, actually, at that fact because of the people I was with were supposed to be church leaders, or they, not spo- they were church leaders. Um, and I had been reading, I've been reading through First and Second Peter over and over for a month or so now, just really enjoying it. And I remember I was sitting in, in a conference room on one of the last days there, and there was one guy in there with me. We were there kind of early, and I had just finished reading. And I looked over at this guy, and I said, uh, hey, man, kind of a loaded question. My questions are usually loaded. And I said, hey, man, what do you think the word virtue means? And he thought about it for a minute, and he gave, he gave a pretty close answer to the, de- I just looked up the definition, pretty close to the definition. Oh, well, I guess it means, you know, like high standards and good morals and, and things like that. I said, yeah, man, it, it does. It means good, good character and morals. And um, I said, how do you, you know, how do you think that plays into your life personally? And he was kind of like, uh, like <laughs> I think maybe he thought I was trying to say something towards him. I wasn't, maybe I was. Uh, and he says, well, you know, I just, you know, really just try to focus on, on the big things, you know, and, and all this. And I said, yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. I said, for me, it's, I don't think it's so much about the big things. I think morally the big things are easy to nod your head to and say okay to. I said, but for me, you know what, man, you know where virtue plays? I think it's about the little things. I think it's about the little moments, the little opportunities to stay virtuous in your words, in your actions, in your conduct, in your example. I think that's where it's important. And then it got real quiet, and our conversation was pretty much over. Uh, but I want to challenge us. Yeah, maybe we're, we're nice, we're kind, we go to church, we have all these things, but what about, what about in those small moments? Do we maintain our heart and our faith and our virtue, Right? Give all diligence to add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. Knowledge. As you begin to grow in your character and you begin to grow in your walk, this is what happens. People, people again, like I said, there's this hunger and this thirst for Jesus, and we begin to grow, and we begin to experience him, and we begin to even serve him maybe, and we walk in this thing, and then suddenly this whole pursuit of him personally goes out the window. And it's like we, we reach this plateau. And this is, what, this is what happens a lot in ministry. People reach this plateau. And then they go from growing in the spirit to growing in, in works. But not works coming out of faith, but just, just doing stuff. And then sooner or later, it stops being a, a plateau and it starts becoming a decline. Right? And that's where temptation begins to slowly creep in. That's when complacency creeps in and all manner of things and Satan has an open door. But as we add to our faith virtue, then let's add back to our virtue knowledge. Let's add to our knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance. (laughs) 
Uh, when I say this to people, I usually am pointing a finger. Not, not like me, but I'm trying to make a statement is what, I, is what I mean. I'm trying to get something across to them. Someone will do or say something, and I'll just look at them and say, hey, you know self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, right? <laughs> and they're just like, yeah. But I just want to make sure you knew that. Um, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And... <laughs> You know, I don't, want, I don't want any of us to be a good Christian until we're angry, right? A good Christian until we're sad. A good Christian until we're hurt. You know, a good Christian until we're threatened. And then where is our faith? That's a bad place to be. Add to your faith self-control. I think... Uh, for me personally, uh, that's probably one of the highest things on my list, self-control. Anybody who spends a lot of time around me knows I can take a long time to answer sometimes. Sometimes you come, people come to me and they have problems, questions, and all these things, and I just nod and think for a while because I want to make sure that whatever I say is coming from the Lord, not from me. I want to make sure that I'm not saying what I think needs to be said because I'm upset. I'm not just saying or doing something because of the way it makes me feel or the way I think they should, you know, have to pay up for something. But I want it to be done in the righteousness of the Lord because anything less than that is sin, for real. And I want to be like Jesus, man. I really do. I want to be like Jesus. And the only path to being like Jesus is, not, is being not like you. That's a fact. The only path to being like Jesus is being not like you. And it takes some self-control. And as uh, our brothers reminded us this morning, <clears throat> as we grow in these things, we need to add to our self-control perseverance. <clears throat> Uh, there was a time I was working at Ingram ISD and my buddy, he turned on a message on the radio and it was about anger. He's like, oh man, dude, you, I came into the shop. I was walking in and out, working on buses. Man, you really got to listen to this message about anger. This guy is going really good, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, come on. Like, I don't, I don't have anger issues, man. Like, I don't struggle with that. So I'm just going to go back to work. I swear to you, five minutes later, my boss comes up to me and coolest, calmest guy I've ever met. And out of nowhere, I've never seen him do this in my life. He just like went off on me and just snapped. And it was so unexpected and so abrasive that I lost my cool like that. And I was mad, bro. Like, and I had, I was so mad that I had to completely shut my mouth, turn around and walk as far in the other direction as I possibly could to keep myself from saying something. And then I, on that long walk to the next bus, I heard my own words. Yeah, I don't struggle with anger. I don't need that. <laughs> and I walked back into that shop. I said, bro, I probably should have set, shut up and listened to that message because, bro, I'm heated, you know. Perseverance. Perseverance. Every time you step into a new season, every time you think you've accomplished something, Satan is going to test you. Another thing, I know these guys who are preaching and teaching have experienced, is you say something, you preach something, and then it's like the next day, you get tested on your own words. I even have a sticky note in my office. I call it my prophetic sticky note. It says, take your own advice. 
because I got to remember that sometimes. I'll be like, somebody would be in my office, and I'll be like ministering to them how to, how to handle this situation, and then I'm like thinking about like the day before I was in the same situation, and I like totally missed it. I'm like, dang, <laughs> wait a minute. Perseverance. Man, God is good. The God who started a work in you, this is what Josh was pointing at. The God who called you, the God who put you in this seat this morning has a plan for your life. But we have to hold on to that faith. We have to preserve through the trials. Jesus will pull you through blameless if you allow him to. You can partner with Jesus, and it'll still be hard, but it'll be smooth, and you'll come out blessed on the other side. Or you can partner with your own desires. You can partner with the devil. You can partner with the world. You'll go through the trial, and there'll just be another struggle. There'll be more pain. There'll be more corruption. But Jesus brings us through every time. Just persevere. Just trust the Lord. Hang on in those difficult times, right? To perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. It's interesting. Godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. In some sense, I feel like those are all forms of the same thing. Those are all forms of the same thing. Guys, I'm going to talk to y'all for a second because I think this is more prominent with us a little bit. Sometimes I think I really know what love is, and I know love is sacrifice, and I know love is doing the best thing and all this, and I've got it, I've got it all worked up real good in my head. And I can love people, right? Even if I don't, you know, they do all these things, and maybe I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time around them because I know what kind of person they are. I still love them. I'd still help them. Right, yeah, I love you over there. Uh, If you need something, I'll help you. But I think sometimes we forget that brotherly kindness, affection, right, goodness, a good attitude, that is also love. That is also love. And I feel like sometimes we can chop love to doing the right thing and forget doing it the right way, right? Doing it the right way. And we have a, we have a little section in the Bible school um, talking about honor. And the scriptures say, give honor to where honor is due. Well, there's also a little segment that we, we talk about. Well, what about giving honor to those who it's not due? What about honoring the poor man just to show him honor? Just because there's a love in that. You know what I mean? Someone who doesn't deserve it. Someone who feels like, you know, I'm just here for a hand. I'm just honoring them the same way as you would honor the rich man intentionally just to show them honor. That's love. And I know for me, man, I can be a humbug sometimes. I really can. Like, I'm just like, whatever, man. And it's like, I got to remind myself, man, what if you were just kind to people? Like, what if you just made it your motivation to just be kind? In fact, I had to do that this morning. I'm still sick. I woke up, you know what I mean? I'm like, man, the first dude that walks through that door, I'm going to smile and hug. Thankfully, it was Josh, because I was going to smile and hug that guy anyways. But <laughs> No, but I was like, I'm going to, sometimes I can be in here, and I'm doing something, and I'm busy, right? And so I'm like, oh, hey. And I'm just, it's like, man, be intentionally kind. Show brotherly love to one another. Walk in godliness. That's what love looks like. And we're going to finish up here. Listen to this. 
faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Verse 8, for if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. <clears throat> We're going to close with this, guys. Two last words I want to focus on here. Abound and diligent. The same thing that I would say about the spiritual gifts, I would say here. Go read through verse 5, 6, and 7. And just test yourself honestly. Do I have these things? Are these things present in my life? Are they lacking? Do I need to grow here? And then just begin to pursue that. Be intentional about making a change in your heart, in your attitude, in your habits. Right? Abound. And if you think, if you look through that and say, oh, no, I got this, I'm good. Great. Well, then you know what you get to do? You get to start over and you get to bound in each one. And it's abounding in the knowledge of Christ that comes with an abounding of blessing. Abounding in faithfulness comes with an abounding of honor from the Lord. And the fact that we serve an eternal God means that there's always more of him to find out. But Peter says that we need to be diligent. Be diligent to add these things to your faith. Right? Intentional, consistent, pursuing the Lord. So guys, <clears throat> as we close today and as we look into the new year, again, I don't have a, didn't have a fancy message, right? There's going to be no one-minute Darren sermon on Instagram. I just want to encourage you to look at the scriptures here. Latch on to something in your life and just begin this new year being diligent to pursue Jesus personally and be diligent to pursue these areas of your life where we need to grow. And whatever you're doing, you're probably doing it well. Whatever you're doing, God will help you do better. And you're going to learn more and more of who he is. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's your desire to bless us. It's your desire, Lord, to, to guard us, to shepherd us, to teach us, Lord, because you have made us your children, and you've taken that joy and that responsibility upon yourself, Father. You, with, you withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would just help us to return to our first love, to pursue you diligently, to know you more. So, Lord, let your will be done in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, we're going to close.